Welcome, folks, to uh, a podcast about evil, which we're beginning with love, uh, you know, just to set things in context. Because love is bigger than evil. Uh, evil is part of love. I mean, I, today I want to like basically explore what I think about evil. Um, and, you know, for one thing, is it real? Uh, and what is it, and where is it, and how does it work, or why does it work, or whatever. Um, it works very hard, uh, and very well, maybe, temporarily. Um, but, yeah, basically, um, I think uh, evil, I the way I see it, evil is within a greater context of love. And so, good is always more powerful than evil, um, because love is basically the awareness of um, your oneness, your identity with, your oneness with all of creation. So, um, you know, you're part of everything. Everything's a part of you. You're, one, you're the tree on the branch and you're the branch in the tree. So you are you and you are God, you know. Um, I guess you're also your cells and whatever, you know. We're all, uh, in a sense, there's only one of us. We're all alone. Um, we're all just life, the spirit of life, your consciousness, my consciousness, they've had different adventures, but ultimately it's the one spirit of life. Um, I mean, that who knows uh, to what extent souls are different, but from my measly understanding of existence, it seems like on the deepest level, we're all uh, each other, or we're all one, we're all just, you know... Uh, just seeing ourselves from different angles, but we're all actually, that's the beautiful thing. We're all, there's no separation between us. Um, what would it be made of if there was a separation? Because we're not bodies, we're consciousness, you know? Anyway, evil. Uh, so evil, I think, is the, well, there's a few different different definitions of it, I guess, which I want to talk about. But I think the way I tend to think of it is that it's like you're on autopilot, you're or sleepwalking. So Hitler killing all these people who are actually him living another life. Um, or we could say all those poor Jews getting murdered and, you know, homosexuals and, you know, Slavic people and, you know, political distance who all got murdered by the Nazi regime. Do we have the bravery to consider the possibility that they were doing it to themselves by themselves living another life, a la Adolf Hitler. 
So these, I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but I, like, I don't know. I could be wrong, but that seems to be the way life works, you know. Um, and so you say, well, he's totally different. How could how could you say he? They're the same person. It's like, well, we need to understand who we are. Most important question: Who am I? Right. So, um, I, you know, can look at the episode on awakening, episode seven, if you want to go and see the the reasons why I'll. But I'll jump to the conclusion here. Um, reasons for my conclusion here that. You are not your body. You're not your emotions. You're not your thoughts. You are the space in which all these things exist, which is consciousness or awareness, um, which is just a, a word. Um, you know, in French would be conscience. Uh, I don't know, like other languages would be different, you know. Um, so none of these are it either. These are just signposts pointing at the thing. Like the Buddhists say, don't mistake the finger pointing at the moon for the moon itself. So, you know, anyway, we are what you could call consciousness, being, um, life, presence, whatever, the witnessing, the witness, whatever is here. And it's not thoughts. It's uh, this space within which thoughts occur. Thoughts are like forms, the little structures of word and sound and vibration and whatever, um, much like words are structures of ink um, uh, or, you know, vibration, like, you know, when you're speaking. Um, thoughts are kind of like a similar thing um, that you could call, um, say the structures of neural pathways, etc. Although I'd say that's probably more of like the shadow of the thoughts, like that's a reflection of what's probably a kind of energetic phenomenon. Um, uh, but, or you could say in your when you you know you hear a voice in your head, you know when you um, thoughts, you could say are kind of like this internal voice or internal images. So you're hearing and seeing um, these things in your own private imagination. So uh, that's not the self, right? These things, um, however, we, seem to, we, we have a false sense of self where we can, it seems like through evolution, our minds developed um, to, because it was practical for survival purposes, it helped us move forward. But eventually this servant, consciousness's servant um, became so capable that somehow we identify with it. Like, um, we believe we are it, um, and so like we can't differentiate between thoughts and self, yourself and your thoughts. Um, but that's the key to understanding evil, I think, is that people who are doing terrible things, um, I don't think anyone does terrible things while interpreting their mind as not self it's always coming from thinking you are your thoughts. So if you're going, okay, there's my mind. It's my beautiful friend, my, tr my trusted servant. As there's some amazing line, like the mind uh, is uh, the perfect servant, but a lousy master, something like that. And um, so when you let the mind be the master, that's when most people, not a big deal. You can be very friendly and still have that happening. But there's a spectrum and further towards a certain, you know, the less conscious end of it where you're totally absorbed in your thoughts, your ability to sense your oneness with others just drops off a cliff and um, you start to feel very alien um, and everyone seems to be very alien and you'll be, um, you know, uh, God forbid you get any sort of power um, or, you know, people don't treat you right or whatever, whatever it is, certain... Um, percentage of people will 
go in a darker direction where their thoughts start to you know suggest things which um, might from their point of view the point of view of that individual um, be good for them and it doesn't matter how it affects the others because they are not considered as important in the thought system the belief system which is running on thoughts which the person has and so the inability to step aside and kind of oh look at these thoughts that's interesting you're opening up space between you and it it's like you're under the hypnosis if you can't step outside your thinking and that seems like that's where the atrocities come from hitler mao stalin um uh uh whatever okay <laughs> um uh, what can i say um despacito i'm just trying to think of some sort of pop reference but hey uh no cigar so but so it seems that evil what we usually call evil is actually like i believe um you give any you give adolf hitler um a bunch of ayahuasca and you get him to hang out with ayahuascaeros for a month and therapist to talk about his grievances because he did have real genuine grievances you know often things it's not all black and white the treaty of versailles screw germany over it was very unfair on balance because you know germany was a bit you know um was pretty militaristic um but so was the so were the british so, so were many people um they're all empires you know and um germany was blamed disproportionately basically for world war one that caused world war two um Hitler exploited that and said, hey, you know, this is not fair. And so, you know, you talk about these things, talk about his grievances and go point out what's fair and what's not fair. Okay, you're saying that, but then how does that connect to this other thing you say? You're making a leap there. If I, you know, I think, unless Hitler was a psychopath, um, we'll talk about them after, I think um, almost definitely, and with enough time, I think, who knows how much time it would take, but I think with enough, you know, um, psychedelic lubrication and um, therapy and human grace and um, empathy, respect, giving respect even to someone who you perceive as a monster, you could get past the thinking entity and into the seeing entity, which is the soul that incarnated as Adolf Hitler. And you could, which is pure consciousness. The way I see it, right, is just behind, you know, there was a sleep at the wheel was this consciousness, the same that is me or you. We could have been Hitler, right? And we would have been Hitler if we had been born into his body, with his brain, with his genes, with his experiences, his friends, his parenting, you know, the way he's parented, um, you know, the way things happened in his life. Um, the only thing that you could say is different is if it was a different soul, but even that, then it seems like all the souls are coming like rays of light from the sun. All the souls are aspects of God or perhaps vibrations. Or I don't know how it works, right? But even if you say we're different, we're all, you go, okay, let's just take it a step back. Go, if you hadn't incarnated, you know, <laughs> way, way back, old Lang Syne, the beginning of the universe as this ray of God, but as that ray of God, then you wouldn't have become Hitler, you know? So if you go follow it logically to its logical conclusion, it seems that you can't really blame. You can hold people accountable, and that's something we'll talk about in a bit as well, but um, if I can remember everything, uh, which I surely will, um, that uh, we, you can hold people accountable, make, you know, you need a, and that's fine, you can, we need, we need to, you know, practically prevent 
injustices from occurring. But um, I think it's useful to that end. This ironically or counterintuitively, it helps us bring about a just, more just society by understanding the ability and the imperative to forgive people who have done terrible things. Um, on one level, you forgive them. On another level, perhaps the level that most people will understand it, this at, you also condemn. But you need to say, look, this condemnation is more a condemnation of that behavior and that thought system. And it's not really personal. It's not like I've got my knickers in a twist. I'm like, it's like, look, this is um, terribly tragic and destructive and cruel. And we can use all these words and say, yes, very clearly it's wrong, these things. However, the soul who did them, quote unquote, was asleep at the wheel, like blackout drunk driving a car. You know, yeah, the law doesn't consider you um, to be really responsible in that, you know, uh, quite reasonably, you know, um, in that situation. And, you know, um, consciousness, we go into daydreams all the time, you know. And um, so that's the nature of egoic consciousness. And so I think we can understand that p monsters who do these terrible things, um, I, and I'm going to consider the alternative point of view what, that in a moment, um, that it seems some people talk about genuine malice, but but basically the way I, what I lean towards is it seems like um, everyone is a sweetheart. We're all good deep down, but it's a matter of how much you are, are you identified with your mind rather than with the pure emptiness of consciousness, which, you know, if people brush up into it, which is very rare in our society, you know, although in other societies it's more common where it's the traditions, Buddhism and Hinduism or whatever, or, you know, Zen in Japan and... Um, whatever, you know, sh sh um, shamanic traditions in, you know, traditional cultures, etc. But uh, where, but most people these days, it seems, if you brush up against that, say in meditation, oh, this emptiness, this abyss thing, it kind of scared me. I was like, it's like I, I was dead. I didn't exist. And then I, sorry, then I started thinking up, you know, thinking real, real fast and, you know, just to make up for lost time, you know. Um, but the truth is, yeah, it's, that's emptiness. That's who we really are. And it's a full emptiness. It's full of love. And if we can just chill the hell out and just chill the heaven out and um, sink into it, then um, you will pretty quickly soar on uh, the wings of love. And just more like when, when I've been in that state, it's just incredible. Like, oh my God, I'm so such an idiot. But compared to this normally, I'm just so, you know, lacking in perspective. Like, it's amazing. Like, and less creativity. Or we could frame it the other way. When you're in that space of love, which basically, shortcut, stop thinking. Learn to go into your body, into your breathing. Learn how to do breathing meditation. Get into your body. The kind of thing that happens when you're doing sports. Everyone loves sports, you know, seemingly because you're getting outside of your mind. You're getting into the moment. Um, or people, when they're intense jobs, they can find enjoyable. It's like you're, it's pushing you into the intensity of now. You're getting outside of that false self of just thinking. Um, so, yeah, it seems like most people, we can be in that false self, you know, and maybe it's a bit unsatisfying and we're not as, we're not, we've got some vague sense that we're not living our best life. But um, but it's not such a big deal. But then along, and some of those people can be very good people. Might just have a few flaws, but really good people doing great things. Um, but then you go a bit further along the spectrum, you've got people, you know, in the middle, not doing that much or whatever, kind of you know, neutral, so to speak. 
And then you, you go, you get people keep going, you got kind of mean people, jerks or whatever. And then you get criminals and um, cruel people doing terrible things. Genghis Khan slaughtering a tenth of the planet or whatever. But it seems like they are all still, you know, um, they were a baby, you know, in their mother's arms and they looked out of their eyes and it was just pure light, just, you know, just consciousness, you know, and there are no monstrous human beings. There are only monstrous thoughts and the tragedy of a soul who is the real human being, the soul who is being the human temporarily, that consciousness, that soul, um, which is part of the universe, it essentially is the universe, mistaking itself for this idea of, oh, here I am, oh, let's go do this, let's do that, this internal narrative, which makes it seem like the voice is a real thing. But have you ever noticed that you, you'll go, um, you have this like, oh, uh, just a silently, just a understanding of like, I'm going to go clean the kitchen. And you're walking there, but you don't think it. You're just like, you know what you're doing and you head that way. And then there's a voice a few seconds later, I'm going to go clean the kitchen. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm already moving. So which came first? Like what's, what's going on there? And it's almost like it's trying to, you know, keep up the illusion. And this can sound pretty strange to, you know, some people like, what are you talking about? Of course, this is all real. But look, we're all real. Some people say nothing's real. I disagree with that. You are real. We're all real, right? Um, however, there's your soul, the consciousness, and then there are these layers which we have identified with. Like Leonardo DiCaprio is not Jack from Titanic, but when he was acting that, presumably he was completely in the role and um, completely believed he was Jack. So in a similar way, we are the actors and um, that's consciousness. And then the characters are Jamie, you know, fill in the blank, whoever you are, right? Um, nice to meet you, by the way, whoever you are. Um, or see you again, if you're, we already know each other. I guess we all know each other because we're all one deep down. But anyway, um, but uh, maybe we don't know each other's characters so well. Maybe that's part of the fun, getting... Um, the cast getting to know each other's characters as we're improvising this play of life, history. But um, so there's the, the basic starting point. I think people, like when we're condemning people doing terrible things, um, I really think there's a lot of benefit um, in saying like um, the ultimately this is someone who's unfortunately sleepwalking someone who's sleepwalking and kills someone um that's not the same as someone who's awake and kills someone right um it's very unfortunate but you call it manslaughter not murder right and i would argue that all murder is actually manslaughter because the soul is uh asleep unfortunately um or perhaps fortunately because in a way because it is part of the story so of pushing things further on. So like you call that the problem of evil, like, oh, how could there be evil in the world? But I would contend, and I'm going to talk about in a bit, uh, that actually evil improves life in a way, just when it's in balance. Um, we don't need to encourage it. It's going to do that on its own. We, in fact, need to de discourage it. But at the same time, we try to limit it, but it's going to be there anyway, just like weeds growing. But it's cool. It's part of the ecosystem, and it helps things stay in balance. But our role is to try to suppress it, basically, I think. Um, lovingly, you know, like a gardener, right? No, you don't hate the weeds. A good gardener doesn't hate the weeds. Don't put that bad 
you know, juju into your garden, the good gardener, a wise gardener just plucks the weeds and says, um, with even a sense of like empathy for, ah, oh, sorry, weed, can't let you live here, can't let you keep growing, you know, but ultimately you two are just consciousness, so you're not dying, I'm just ending this little game over, reload, new character, you know, um, but... So, okay, so basically, in a nutshell, we just talked about uh, that evil, from the perspective of spirituality, or, you know, non-duality, non-dual philosophy, um, or what I would call just, um, what could you call that, um, uh, empirical evidence, just looking into the nature of reality and noticing who you are, based upon the experience in your three-dimensional first-person experience, who are you? Who are others, therefore? Um, and, uh, okay, we're not the thoughts. We are the consciousness. The consciousness is love. Um, and the thoughts can be a reflection of that. But if you get too deep into thoughts, you can um, get to a point where your, your self-serving um, mechanisms um, in your mind, in your brain, which have um, evolution, you know, we're the survivors of the survivors' survivors in, from evolution. So, of course, we are descended from people who are very pragmatic and want to um, carve out a place for themselves in the world. Um, that um, if you get too lost in the mind, that system goes basically in a dark direction where something which was good, it helped us stay alive and we can get to the point where we have Rembrandt's paintings and you know Shakespeare's sonnets and all this beautiful stuff. Um, that the same thing which allow that beautiful stuff to blossom um, can allow terrible things to happen um, because of this misguided self-interest where, you know, people too d deep in their mind and they, they, uh, they kill people for profit or they kill people for fun or, um, or they destroy the environment for profit. Destroy the environment for fun. I don't know if anyone's doing that, but that would be pretty next level evil. Um, so... So that's the case for this, right? Which I think is what I think is happening up front, right? That it's actually a daydream sort of thing. And so, and very importantly, if we can forgive people like this, I believe there's a, a percentage of people who will be drawn out of that, that that love will resonate in them and it'll wake them up and it clo it um, closes the loop or it like, uh, you know, puts a spanner in the works. And it's like, hey, what? Because usually if you resist these people, it just... They just go, ha, oh, yeah, you're an idiot, you know, and it gets combative, you know, like one animal attacks another, usually the other, that it just, you know, builds up like a tennis match of aggression, you know. Um, but if you can bring in love, it kind of circumvents that process, I think. So that's one thing. But also it can help us for, so directly as a solution, you know, helping people get out of that frame of mind um, or people who are in a proto frame of mind like that where they're kind of, Going down a dark path, you may getting you know quote unquote extremism, like someone's becoming a neo-Nazi or um, you know radical violent extremist, uh, um, uh, radical violent communist sort of thing, like um, Antifa or whatever, anti-fascists who are fascists themselves. Well, I mean, it depends what we mean by fascism, but they are um, being violent um, and attacking people. Um, not all of them, but a lot of them. So that's kind of contradictory. But technically, fascist would be more like what modern China is, a merging of corporations and the state. Um, so, um, but yes. But, uh, so, you know, the why should, apart from the fact that it's, it's true, I believe, so generally good things come from 
um, understanding the truth and perceiving the truth and speaking the truth. Um, uh, apart from that, the the benefit of seeing evil as basically just um, an illusion. If people are doing bad things, but they are hypnotized by their mind, it's like basically they're um, a victim. Hitler's soul was a victim of Hitler's mind, and it wasn't personal. Anyone could have had that mind. It was just through the whims of evolution, it, that particular conglomeration or accumulation um, of uh, phenomena resulted in that mind and that ideology taking root, and then the soul was captive and was not able to perceive the illusion and to bring in the love and save, prevent that stuff from happening. Um, so um, this is benefit of just truth in general. But then I think this perspective also allows, like I said, we can pull some people out of that path or you're going down a bad path, we can pull them out. You know, Haven't you experienced where you're talking to someone and they seem like just real firmly stuck in their ways and then I remember there's a friend of mine who uh, was kind of venting um, angrily about some people you know, kind of just like, oh, it's just so annoying. I can't believe they do. And I was trying to kind of, in a friendly and respectful way, kind of combat that and give the other side. And then there's a certain point where I just kind of, I just kind of like, um, like sighed and kind of like, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but it's kind of like, uh, you know, it was almost like, oh, you know, I just admit my helplessness to kind of explain the other side of it. And um, I just kind of went, I don't know, I kind of just, but, but it was like I wasn't coming from a, a consciousness of confrontation and anger or defensiveness. It was kind of just like this wish to share what I perceived as wisdom, you know. And, and I was accepting, I guess, humility. Humility was expressed also because I was like, I, I guess my eyes spoke, you know, conveyed that I was kind of like wanted to share this um, for both of our benefit, um, but f was having to accept that I felt it wasn't able and um, my friend's eyes, something shifted in her eyes and she just looked at me like, I kind of seemed like she melted a little bit into like, just for a moment, it was like, oh. And then she kind of stopped talking about it. And, but so I didn't even really convince her of anything, but I just kind of shifted my energy. And so I think sometimes things like that happen where there's this low-hanging fruit of how to solve problems and prevent us getting overly confrontational. Sometimes we need to change things, of course but to prevent us getting overly fixated and confrontational and de divisive just by kind of bringing in the love rather than trying to deal with the results of anger, bring in the, the solution, you know, um, bring like go to the root, you know, bring in the love. Um, so anyway, um, so we can do that by understanding and it's easy to do that when we understand the true nature of evil. You're not someone who needs to be whacked like some, you know, you know, evil entity who's beyond redemption that everyone um, is within the, the arms of redemption, potentially. Um, so that can help, so to speak, cool people down or de-radicalize or whatever word you want to use, you know, bring people back to the light a bit. Also, um, I think, uh, so what's the other point there? So if we uh, perceive people as um, uh, coming from love rather than they're, they're doing these because they're inherently bad. So we can kind of pull them back. But yeah, I guess also it just um, helps us understand, I think in general, the solutions need to be based upon an accurate awareness of the problem. And so if you're thinking the problem is p 
people are inherently bad, you might think we just need to lock up those people. But if you understand that those people are inherently good, then that leads to a different solution, which would be maybe like, oh, okay, education and um, different programs in prisons where let's make prisons really nice, full of gardens, just be like some kind of beautiful place, like a kind of sanitarium or whatever, or like, you know, like um, a spa kind of thing, um, like a mindfulness retreat for people who've been doing bad things. And then, whoa, imagine like talk about instead of bringing the punishment, uh, confrontation vibe and hoping that they cower away and go, okay, sorry, I'll be better now. Bring in the love and um, forgiveness. And um, that might just touch some people and uh, yeah, just help them resonate with what we want them to resonate with. So that would be another point there, third point that just, um, yeah, I think the solutions we need, we need to understand what's real. Okay, so that's basically why I would say the fact is uh, evil is an illusion ultimately um, and we need to be aware of this in order to deal with it. So now the counter-argument, which you know, I take seriously, um, is that there is um, a genuine malevolence. So you hear Jordan Peterson talking about like... Um, Malevolence, that when people confront, um, that it, we have to, in uh, life, we have to deal with tragedy, which is kind of automatic suffering that just comes from no one's causing it, and malevolence, like someone intentionally inflicting suffering on us, causing problems. And I thought about that a bit, and um, I wondered, like, yeah, well, and he was saying, you know, when people encounter someone who's genuinely malevolent, genuinely causing problems for them um, intentionally, and kind of enjoying, it seems, enjoying inflicting that suffering, that, that it can really traumatize people and mess them up. And, you know, this guy's a clinical psychologist and, a, you know, research psychologist or whatever. So he knows, I guess, a lot about this stuff. But, you know, um, it's not necessarily the same as someone like Eckhart. I would love to hear Jordan Peterson and Eckhart Tolle or Eckhart Tolle uh, talk to each other. Um, if you would too, please make that happen. Someone, you know, go tweet at them or whatever. Um, but... Uh, you know, someone like it's Jordan Peterson's very, I think, very wise person and um, got a lot going for him. But he's not perfect. Um, I'm sure he has his blind spots. Um, and um, it's not the same as, say, being spiritually grounded or spiritually awakened, realized, which I don't think he is. Um, he would be someone, he would be a good example, I think, of someone who's kind of lost in their mind to some extent. I know, you know, again, I don't want to be talking, you know, like, who am I to say this? He's, you know, uh, probably a wiser man than me. But um, uh, the point is, from my my perception of him, and I've, you know, I really like him, so I've done a, watched a lot of his stuff, read a lot of his stuff. Um, he uh, is in his mind, and his um, he identifies with his mind. He is he's not at least maybe when he's if he's you know here and there taking psychedelics, as he said he has before. Maybe he's um, come into contact with that um, uh, consciousness, that that deeper sense of self. But it seems like in general he's not operating from that. He is operating from the mind. He thinks he's his mind, his thoughts. However, he would be a version that I would characterize as a more benevolent version of that, which is to say, just because you're not, you know, just because you're in your mind doesn't mean you're going to be bad. But at the f he's he's at one end of the spectrum, which if you go along it, is the problem. 
you know, for psychopaths and murderers and all that. That's just a difference of degree, not kind, because they're both operating from this perspective of here I am and my thoughts, and I am my thoughts, I am my mind, rather than this is just um, a sort of um, technology, organic technology with which my soul is interfacing. I could be wrong. I've never heard him talk about this stuff. I'd love to hear what he thinks about that. But it does seem to, to claim, as he does, that malevolence exists. And maybe he's right. I don't know. But it doesn't seem to make sense to me. That would mean that there are... How does that work? Souls? There are souls who are just you know, um, inherently evil? And what, do they reincarnate also? Or if reincarnation doesn't exist, okay, then there's no souls. But is it just like the one consciousness incarnates and then that's all there's no souls quote unquote but it's just um life reincarnating and i die and then you know the collective i realize i never was separate to the collective cosmic consciousness and it's just going in to a new life that seems possible too basically the same thing as reincarnation um a bit different but um so it in that case what how does that work like because then it's either god is god's evil then no because it seems like most of them aren't malevolent so how do you account for the presence of malevolent people? I would account for it by saying that's someone whose soul is asleep and hypnotized by words. Um, and however, you know, you do see people in the thing is what his argument's got going for it is practically when you, you do encounter people, some people who seem to enjoy being mean, they seem to enjoy causing suffering. And I have even um, encountered that in myself. And this is a big thing to talk about the evil within that was it Solzhenitsyn, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, someone like that said the line, something like the line between good and evil um, runs through every human heart or the heart of every man or something like that. Um, so it's not, you know, like, Oh, the Nazis are bad and I'm good. I'm over here. It's like, no, the Nazis, that evil, that is part of you. That's within your heart. Um, as is the, the love of the Buddha or whatever, you know, all these things are within us um, and they're drawn out by certain experiences or choices we make. But um, but so, but nonetheless, it seems like there are people who really enjoy um, being malevolent and hurting people. Um, and you look in their eyes and there's this light, like they're there and they know what they're doing. So it sure seems like they're conscious. And yet, from my understanding of what very wise-seeming, very peaceful-seeming, very conscious-seeming people have talked about, and what I've experienced in myself from taking plant medicines or from um, uh, meditating um, or just you know, philosophizing and thinking about you know, um, the nature of life and reading or whatever and writing... Um, it seems to me that other things can only be explained. Contradictions can only be reconciled by, you know, this understanding that I am one with everything and um, I am love. We are all love. Or, or, um, or love is the, what we call the recognition of yourself in the other, that we are all one, you know, and we're all, it's all good ultimately. Um, but then... It seems like some people are enjoying, you know, this infliction of suffering. So are they perhaps, I would say they're asleep, but I don't know. I gotta be honest, you know, it's something which one reason I thought this would be interesting to talk about is like, um, 
you know, the likes of Jordan Peterson have a bit of a point there where it's like, it sure does seem like some of them are enjoying it. Um, but then again, I guess, could you not have a dream where you're enjoying killing people or something or, or you know, your, your dream that you're a wolf and you're eating some baby deer and it's just, oh, this is so delicious. My God, I can't believe how delicious this baby deer is. And then you wake up, you're like, oh my God, but that wasn't me. Or was it? Well, that's what we're talking about. You know, perhaps consciousness can, that, that bright light in, you know, some bad person's eyes, quote unquote, bad person, perhaps that is this pure, it's like love winking out at us, but love dreaming and maybe love dreaming is capable of being, doing terrible things. Uh, and the, another potential answer, I guess, is that um, love is this beautiful recognition of oneness but and intuitively this doesn't really seem to make as much sense to me but hey what do i know so i'll throw it out there but it perhaps it's possible that you know yin and yang light and dark the ultimate nature of the universe is it's not just love it's also um uh, hate and division and viciousness the, the, these are definite definitely parts of the universe but they seem to me to be lower level phenomena um, that the, the deeper, the higher level or deeper level, going back to more to the source of what it really is, so not Jack, but Leo, and even further, not Leo, but the soul that is living as Leonardo DiCaprio in this incarnation, and even further, not that soul, but God, who is living all of them, um, or whatever, um, or if in the movie Jack pretends to play another character, oh, hi, I'm Peter Smith, uh, you know, or whatever, then that would be even going the other direction, right? these nested um, levels of identity um, it seems to me that going to the more the realer levels of that um, that's where love and you know beauty and goodness and truth and these things um, exist and humor and these things exist whereas viciousness and hatred would be kind of less real in that hierarchy but you could make the argument that oh no maybe you know the reason like this soul is channeling some divine principle of like, um, you know, um, viciousness or, you know, um, destruction. And just in the way that we can play a video game and enjoy mowing, I've enjoyed that, you know, mowing down pedestrians in cars on Grand Theft Auto or, you know, just slaughtering people. And there's a certain fun to it um, because you, and I guess partly because you feel, oh, there's no consequence. It doesn't matter. It's not hurting anyone. There's nothing wrong. So it allows you to enjoy this domination. Perhaps it's like there are souls which incarnate and go, I understand, maybe quite elevated souls even, going, I understand that ultimately we're all good. This is just a video game. Um, and you know people suffer, but people suffer in dreams and it's not actually happening. It's a paradox. They're suffering. They really are suffering, but they're not because it's, it's not real. But it's a real experience. So but perhaps souls can incarnate and go, I'm going to play my part in this uh, game or this movie. Um, by, you know, expressing and experiencing darkness. Um, and maybe that's something that, you know, elevated souls need to get in touch with in order to progress or something, or, or maybe for us to progress. Who knows? I don't know. But, um, and so I guess, so that would, but anyway, it seems, I can understand why people would think malevolence really exists on a, if you look at someone else's eyes. But if you think, like, what is going on there? I think those eyes are hypnotized by thoughts. And if you could get them to meditate or take some, you know, LSD or psilocybin or um, 
uh, or talk, hang out with a spiritual master um, or, you know, draw rainbows with kids for an hour or listen to some beautiful music or watch a great you know, documentary that really puts things into perspective. I think um, almost all those people would be softening and that glare in the eyes would be revealed as a manifestation of thoughts and not the pure nature of that person. But um, so, yeah, let me know what you think about that. Um, malevolence, does it exist? I think not. I think evil is just an illusion. But um, yeah, and uh, so now uh, psychopaths seem to be people, uh, I'm not sure it's how clear it is where, to what extent it's actually genetic or to what extent it's kind of experiences. Um, but, uh, you know, that shape them like that. Um, and or perhaps both nature and nurture, but it seems to me that again, that's just a, uh, another iteration of the same theme of the soul is um, pure and just perfectly loving, and just wants you know, um, I don't know, like what does consciousness want? I don't even know if consciousness does want. I think it wants. Um, uh, yes. Um, but like I, you know, like I'm not in touch with that enough. I can speak at my level, you know, but it's a bit above my pay grade to go. But like, um, uh, it it seems to me that psychopaths should be treated in the same vein as you know, malevolence or you know, um, where it's un understanding that um, the soul is innocent, but that it's interfacing with. Um, the difference with the psychopath is that it's not just a mood or a passing thing that's happening. Um, it's like they uh, they they've been born into a body which they're out of control. Like their their soul cannot control it. They're, they're imprisoned within the body, and basically the mind is just completely derailed, um, disconnected from empathy. Can't experience that, and so they're essentially in the GTA game, killing people, thinking there's no consequences not realizing like, oh, oh, wait, even going, oh, wait a minute, these are all played by other people. There's other people. Oh, this is online. And all these other people, a lot of them, the games they want to play are they're baking cakes and then they're on their way to the cake shop and they're going to hang out with their friends and bake cakes. And I'm just killing them and stopping them doing that. Oh, well, that's different to what I thought I was doing. I thought I was just playing single player GTA. Oh, so even that, even if it's still a game, that would bring in more empathy and go, oh, change most people would stop killing everyone um and then you bring in the next thing of like oh this is like their incarnation on earth and all the things you can do there and can't do if you're dead then that i think would make a lot of people so it seems like psychopaths um, would be people who are like kind of stuck in that frame of mind and perhaps they i guess a true psychopath would be someone who no matter how much um therapy or exposure to wise um very, you know, genuinely good people, um, practically capable at spreading goodness, those kinds of sages, um, and plant medicines and whatever else, um, and good books and movies, etc. that nothing is going to help them. Those people probably exist. I think there's probably people on earth who are like that. And potentially, depending how, you know, accurate, you know, like so many conspiracy theories, quote unquote, um, uh, have turned out to be true. There's a lot of things that have turned out to be true. Um, uh, you know, I wouldn't say most of them. I mean, there's a lot of theories, probably far more theories than we have evidence to know whether they're right or wrong. But there have been a bunch, you know, like Operation Northwoods or something, you know, 
there's pretty crazy like things where there are real conspiracies and there's a th theory and then we find oh it's true um i don't know if the th actually i think that was a conspiracy i don't think there was a theory until the details were released but um or the jfk thing jfk assassination there's a theory and then it turns out oh there's all as the evidence accumulates it's like oh this is not one person this is crazy what's going on here um so but anyway the um you know some people there's theories that there are families or institutions um say a minority of them are very powerful and for generations they've had a secret religion of evil so to speak where it's passed on as like using the energy of domination and um kind of just terror and um inflicting of suffering on people using that energy as a kind of wave uh, um, to channel and harness that energy as a power source which is kind of the whole thing of you know the Sith in Star Wars or the Death Eaters and Voldemort in um, Harry Potter or whatever the bad guys um, that they draw power from the dark side of the Force. So you know uh, allegedly uh, there are like families who are into this and you know satanic worship and stuff um, or people um, you know institutions. Um, again, hey, I have no idea about all that stuff, but uh, it seems like ridiculous. And, but you know, the older I get, the more stuff I see. Ah, oh, a bunch of things I thought were totally ridiculous that actually are either true or there's a bit of evidence to suggest it might be true. So, like, it's shifted. I'm like, mm, okay, I should probably be more humble with what I assume I know. I really don't know much. Um, anyway, but uh, so psychopaths potentially could be people born into certain, or even forget the satanic stuff or whatever, but just someone who's born into a royal family where you know um you're the, you're the the son of a roman emperor and your dad is just a tyrant good luck being nice you know that's going to be very difficult you're going against the grain um <coughs> your brothers might kill you and take over if you're not if you do that too much um just like a ceo might get kicked out of a company if they try to seem too you know um interested in balance and not profit at all costs um interesting phrase profit at all costs um but uh so you know there's certain forces where even if you wanted to go against the, the grain and be good express goodness the certain heritages which you can come from where it's going to be almost impossible for you to not fall into the sway of evil or like you know the um callous infliction of uh, suffering um and so i would say again that we're all souls we can acknowledge and understand who we all really are and um that will go a long way to fixing all of this and keeping us balanced and minimizing suffering on this planet. And why not? You know, um, like we have the choice of, like, oh, if, you know, some people think like, oh, why, what's the point of inflicting suffer uh, of uh, minimizing suffering or doing good, you know? Is it even real, you know, any of this or whatever, you know? It's like, well, you know, until there's conclusive doubt that everything's an illusion, why don't we assume that we, we should do what our conscience tells us? Let's assume our heart is real, love's real, the conscience is real, until there's conclusive evidence otherwise, or beyond reasonable doubt. And if you look at the evidence, it's actually in support, more in favor of, oh, our intuitions are correct. Love's real, we're real, you know. But, um, so, right, so we can, I think, bringing this energy of forgiveness, um, even on small levels where people are doing small evils, like someone's screwing you over or being annoying or being disrespectful, you can treat, uh, perceive them as asleep at the wheel. And um, I think that'll allow you to be 
less evil in the small sense with them and be more loving, be more um, expressing beauty and goodness. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I guess we've been talking about evil, right? But then what's the difference between evil and just bad? Like, um, well, or more to the point, like some people say uh, evil is where you're enjoying inflicting suffering. It's not just you're causing suffering, you're hurting people or you're doing things that aren't fair, you know? Like, you know, you can cause suffering on someone who's broken the law or you have to go to jail because, you know, you just keep killing everyone. But I'm suffering here. I want to keep killing people. Yeah, we know you're suffering, but hey, you're causing more suffering out here. You're extending the natural boundaries of your sovereignty where your freedom is preventing other people from having the same freedom. So that doesn't that doesn't scale up. We can't have a society based upon that. Therefore, you know, you have to go, you're going to have to suffer in your limitations. Sorry, that's the way it is. Um, so that's fine. But like, I guess unfairness, breaking the rules of justice, that would be evil, right? Causing, um, yeah, limiting the potential of other beings, um, which generally comes in the form of uh, suffering, I guess we could say. But, um, but yeah, killing people, hurting people, stealing from people, lying to people, controlling people, um, telling them how to live their lives, dominating them. Um, so, uh, and now people do that, but a lot of people do it because, but they think it's good. Like the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I think a lot of the evil we see in the world today is people who think they're doing good. They don't think they're doing bad. And so I don't know if there is anyone who does evil thinking that it's um, not good. I guess perhaps there's people who do it with a certain, yeah, maybe they think it's good. Um, they think they're doing something bad, but deep down it's good that they're doing something bad in their head. That's what they're thinking. So they might not be aware of it, but ironically they're actually serving the light in their own interpret their dark interpretation of the light because they're thinking oh yeah, I should, you know, do what's bad. Ha ha ha. Oh, so you think it's good to do bad things? No, it's bad to do bad things. So why are you doing it? Uh, ex uh, exactly. Hmm. Bad to do bad things. They think it's bad. But I think just if you look at motivation, I mean, you get into semantics there, but I think like people do things because by definition, if you're doing something voluntarily, you you think it's progress in your private universe. We could use those words, you know. You think it's good, you know. You think it's advantageous. So that's an ethic of progress. That's an ethic of um, improvement. Um, so even people who are, you know, the worst of the worst, they're intentionally, you know, the classic, you know, like Voldemort or the Sith, just relishing evil and destruction and doing what's wrong and just despising love and tenderness um, and the connect connectivity between beings and oneness. No, just tearing everything apart and just just um, destruction rather than creation and um, domination rather than allowing and, um, yeah, um, just the, the, the limitation of every potential but for oneself. Um, so the elevation of yourself as superior to others and um, the... Uh, you know, uh, monopolization of every kind of resource you can conceive, you know, and trying to just get it all under yourself and 
just selfishness, extreme selfishness. That is still um, you're trying to help yourself. You're trying to be helpful, but it's just your idea of who deserves that help is different to what most people's idea is. Most people would say, well, everyone deserves help. You think, no, just me. Um, so even that we can kind of, I think, understand as, you know, in a way there, um, yeah, it's Hitler thought he was doing a good thing, right? Mao, Stalin, Stalin, they all thought, you know, oh, this is for a good cause, the greater good, you know? Um, I think it's very few people who do it for a sense of, you know, like excitement that it, you know, gets them off to just be, a, um, uh, you know, an anti-hero and um, doing, you know, it's so shocking to others or whatever, or, or they're just so alienated with trying to be good that they just go the exact opposite way. Um, even that in a way is like we can kind of have some sympathy for them, not sympathy, but empathy. Um, uh because we can understand they were doing, they're not so different to us. We want goodness and progress and growth. That's what they wanted too. They were just confused, which brings it back to the idea of the evil is a daydream, you know? Um, and then most of them, you know, they think they're doing good things. China, the way China's run, org, organ harvesting of political prisoners, Falun Gong being ruthlessly suppressed who look at, they've got three principles. I can't remember what they are. Peace, harmony, and justice, something like that. Oh, can't have that. You know, um, they're, they're being terribly repressed um, and it's shocking. And um, a lot of the things, look, I love Chinese people um, uh, as much as anyone, you know, like we're all brothers and sisters in my mind. Um, but I got to say um, that system is an evil system. Uh, the, like, look, I mean, their garbage <laughs> disposal system. Okay, I'm not going to say that's evil necessarily. I don't know the details. You tell me. But... Um, but like the idea, like everyone's constantly surveilled. People are killed if they disagree with the local governor. Rampant corruption, but that's fine, you know, because so long as they toe the party line. And um, it's just a dominating behemoth of bad vibes and the limitation and wasted potential of um, humans. Um, and just doesn't does it feel beautiful? Does it feel loving? Does it feel yeah? Do, does it feel like? Uh, it's coming from the heart. I don't think so. Um, but China used to be very, very much so uh, uh, centered on love and um, holistic awareness. You know, all the ch Chinese medicine um, and, you know, they did a lot of deep work into like sexuality and understanding that, which was much more advanced than kind of Western notions of sexuality traditionally. Um, and um, all kinds of good stuff, really, you know, beautiful stuff they've had. Um, so we've all got that within us, but, you know, we can, evil can sprout up and for various reasons, China was being dominated by Western empires. And so basically extremists eventually took over because of such chaos because, you know, um, yeah, they were trying to defend themselves against evil. So it's understandable, you know, um, but it doesn't mean that, again, we can understand and not um, condone and we need to hold each other responsible for, you know, c correct conduct, um, even while forgiving each other um, and even forgiving others who can't forgive us, even when we think we haven't done anything wrong or even if we have done something wrong, if they can't forgive us, all right, I forgive you for not being able to do that. But practically, you know, um, you know, uh, there, of course, we should be limiting suffering on this planet and maximizing justice and beauty. 
Um, that's a noble purpose. I think that's what we should be doing. You know, do you like the color of that flag? I like the color of that flag. Um, I think it looks like this. Oh, tie dye. Um, so, uh, <laughs> also ironic. I'm wearing a tie dye shirt while talking about evil. Um, so, uh, right. So, uh, talking about yeah, people doing it for thinking that they're it's for good. Um, and that a lot of evil seems to come that way. Look at what the you know. Uh, the World Economic Forum. All that. I was like, am I going to go into this? I don't think I'll go too deep, but I don't even know too much about it. But I hope they're coming from a good place. But the feeling I get is like, it's this kind of thing of, they think they're doing good things, but it's like, lads, the feeling is all off. Go meditate, go do some yoga, go take some ayahuasca. Something's off with your energy. That's not right. And the policies you're advocating like that's not that's no way to um be a lover you know and you are a lover you're just you know are you malevolent i don't think so um even if you were i, I would say you are um love and i think most uh, you know the vast majority of people who do things that i would perceive as bad um uh and that you perceive as bad whatever it's all coming from good intentions, but just being confused about the nature of what is good and bad, you know, and what's reasonable and what's not. Um, for example, you might think, oh, you can't break a few, uh, uh, you can't break a few omelets without making some eggs. No, you can't make uh, an omelet without breaking a few eggs. And, you know, uh, well, okay, that's true of omelets, but does that apply to people? Okay, where's your logical premise that says that that's reasonable for, you know, to like, well, you know, a certain amount of people are going to die, but... I'm not saying that they're doing this necessarily, but that, you know, in general, big institutions um, can make sacrifices where they think it's reasonable, you know? Um, and so, you know, or the government bailing out Wall Street banks, et cetera, and crushing the middle class. What would have happened in a parallel universe where we just nationalized the banks, split them up, and, you know, all the taxpayers who bailed them out got shares. The shares were tr transferred to them. So now the middle class owns all the banks. Would that have been so terrible? You know, um, so there's a lot of sacrifices made where, oh, no, but these people got me into power. They, they paid my electoral funding. It's going to be a headache if we try to do this. Look, it's going to distract. It's not even going to work. Let's just try to do some good work and not, you know, bite the hand that feeds us, you know. Um, so, you know, there's all sorts of things like this where people, I think, are coming from a desire to do good, but um, either they're consciously, you know, trying to do that um, and... Uh, you know, they're just oblivious to the fact that it's not good or unconsciously they are aware it's not good, but they're just lying to themselves in order to allow themselves to be comfortable and feel like the good guy. Have that cheap victory, you know, um, shortcut. Um, so, okay. So now uh, I want to talk about the, the benefit. Uh, okay, so... I guess there's two things. There's the benefit that evil brings to the world, but then there's, um, I guess first I should talk about uh, the origin of the desire, you know, the way that evil seems to work. Like evolutionarily, you know, um, let me take a drink of water before I talk about the evolution of evil, or try to. Well, um, thanks for being here, by the way. Good on you. Nice. 
All right. Um, not like it's a particularly great accomplishment, but anyway, appreciate you listening. Um, so yeah, uh, I think through evolution, um, only the adaptive things survive, right? So if it's not adaptive to the particular environment, it gets wiped out because the things that are more adaptive outbreed it and they just eventually, they go from, you know, say the temperature changes by 10 degrees because of an asteroidal impact or something. All the, the 1% of an organism which have certain mutations or whatever or certain ability to mutate or certain whatever, certain characteristics that allow it to be more suited to that different uh, climate that they may have been struggling in the previous milieu, but then now they're thriving while the rest is struggling. And so it goes from being 1% to suddenly being 99% of the gene pool because it just expands while the others are shrinking um, or just maintaining themselves, and it, but probably shrinking. Um, and so then, you know, you have this natural thing where the, the whatever is adaptive dominates and just takes over just because, you know, it's um, able to propagate better. Um, and so uh, in with <clears throat> the, the beings that we're descended from the beings which were able to assert themselves and problem solve and collaborate and co compete in a certain, certain balance of competition and um, cooperation, um, which allowed uh, humans to navigate all these changing uh, evolutionary niche niches um, and uh, niches see the Americans um, um, but yeah and so a part of that was the ability to you know um, kill people and um, conquer and I think uh, you know uh, for a long time it was other humans when other humans came into the uh, the area you you didn't know like hmm you knew that maybe you'd heard a story of someone who joined your tribe and that their, their, their whole tribe got wiped out and then they you took them in or who knows but humans tended to know other tribes will kill you because um, they don't. And the thing is, it's the prisoner dilemma. They don't know two tribes come across each other like or two parties from um, other tribes. Back in the day, they didn't know, like, are these people going to be friendly? We hope they're going to be friendly. Um, but can we take the risk? If we, if we go, all right, we'll trust, extend trust to you and just be cool. How do we know they're going to do that to us? And if they don't, if they... They could just cut our throats in the night, you know. Oh, great. And then that's not so good for our kids, etc. And then the other people, are th even if they are nice, the other people, they're thinking the same thing. So you could have two tribes of very nice humans and they're like, oh my God, we don't know. Are the others, can we trust them? And they might just go and slaughter each other because neither of them is willing to accept the risk that they won't be able to come home to their kids um, or whatever, you know, or that their, their village is going to get raided and conquered. And so it'd be difficult to you'd have to try to negotiate, hope you speak the same language. Um, and so there is this, um, these switches which flick on for like, you know, war and the ability to kill animals and, you know, kill people who are trying to take your wife or whatever, you know, and be able to defend yourself or, um, or you know, all kinds of stuff that where conflict, because, you know, boundaries need to be asserted, right? Like, um we all have our legitimate area, sphere of influence and um, certain people um, have found it beneficial to, um, it's a certain evolutionary niche, I guess, is um, dominating and taking over. You can materially be, be very successful doing that in certain situations. However, it seems like 
gorillas when they do that the the tyrant dominated gorillas they're not very good uh, leaders um they will get because you know two or two um uh weaker gorillas who are like each 75 percent of the strength of the top dog they will just get together and tear the top guy apart if he's too much of a tyrant so it seems um apparently uh they the the leaders the longest um, surviving leaders tend to be ones who can negotiate and keep everyone happy and collaborate and which is like makes sense because that's like us we we're able to do that and that's a big part of why we've been able to survive is through um communication um, speech thinking and speaking and being able to uh, collaborate and coordinate actions together so but um point being (laughs) um that there have been you know throughout history there's always people who you know uh, there's all kinds of strategies um which have which are here for getting ahead and some of them are kind of parasitic there's plenty of parasites in nature where you're living off a host and you're taking its life force um taking its resources and giving nothing um and you will do that until you exhaust it you kill it if you have to um so there that there's the parasite relationship um there's the dominator you know, kind of relationship. Um, there's the traitor relationship, selling people out to get some benefit. There are many kind of um, ways of whereby you can personally help yourself, um, but the tribe at large will suffer. Now, it seems like through time, societies where there's too many of these negative traits, they get wiped out. By, they're not able to adapt as easily as virtuous societies, which... Um, Societies where things are kept in balance and it's quite reasonable, you know, um, not perfect, but in general, uh, it's not too tyrannical. Um, those societies are better able to adapt because um, they encourage different skills and they're flexible. Um, and uh, so it seems, I mean, I don't know, is that true? I think that's true. Um, and it seems like that's true within the tribe. You'd be <laughs> very humanitarian within the tribe and you be um, ruthlessly um, animalistic outside the tribe. That was the paradigm for a long time. With other humans, can't trust them, kill them all, um, go to war constantly. Our own people, um, like all the tribes who were ruthless with their own people, seem to you know be le- less effective and just uh, uh, um, not survive history. And then, so after all these crises, it wipes out all but the ones who are strongest and most adaptive. And it seems to be that that's the ones based upon love. Um, so, but nonetheless, with this crazy environment that everyone was in, it seemed like love wasn't, the ones who were loving towards their neighbors weren't necessarily the most adaptive. So there was a balance between love and um, um, power, you could say. So um, intra-tribal relations, love was most adaptive. Inter-tribal relations, uh, power was most adaptive, it seems. And so that continued, and you know, tribes agglomerated into civilizations, and then that pattern was like, okay, now the civilization's the tribe. So in intra, we're, we're loving. Um, inter, you know, with other civilizations, we're going to be a power-based. So, but then because they're, you know, the advances of te- uh, technology and speech and translations and all this stuff, there was the opportunity for diplomacy, and um, which is a great thing. So civilizations could just keep flourishing and creating and all the bounties and the beautiful fruits of life rather than just everyone constantly killing each other. Um, they were able to do that through dip- diplomacy, trade, 
Although, nonetheless, a lot of people would have that those old echoes of the past, like, oh, the power, the dominator way, or the traitor method, or parasite, you know, um, whatever. And so these civilizations would be brought down um, and attacked by some of these, you know, um, pathologies of the mind or, you know, you could say evolutionarily, kind of dark evolutionary forces of self-centeredness, a more um, narrowly confined sense of self. Um, I'm helping me, but I don't identify as the whole tribe. I identify as just this one person. That's the kind of, you know, traitor, dominator, um, uh, parasite or whatever. Um, so, and then, you know, you get, you might have one city within an empire that does the same thing. We don't care about this empire. We care about us. And so you have these, where these um, conflict and lack of love and power games can um, develop where, um, and wherever uh, a community or you could say a subset of a community perceives itself as separate. Um, and then naturally the self-interest. Yes. So the engine of evolution for a long time for us has been self-interest. As soon as we really became you know, even like kind of simpler animals, they have this sense of self-interest helping themselves, you know, be present in the environment. And if you think about it, the animals who are like, yeah, I'm an otter, but oh no, you can, you can take that. I don't need that food. Yeah, you take it. I'll, I'll find some more later. Oh, oh, there's there's no food around the corner. That's weird. Those otters didn't do so well, you know. Um, and so it, it seems like by just by definition, by the nature of what inherently is useful and um, what helps one flourish, all sentient beings have built into them, um, or at least biological ones, um, this uh, this um, self interest. So on the neuro neurological level i think it's uh based on maps of meaning shout out to jordan peterson great book he was talking about um uh like the and i'm sure other people talk about this a lot but um uh, approach and withdrawal um mechanisms in the brain and so there's ones which are approach and you go, i'm going forward into this and then retreat withdrawal and so avoidance and approach basically um and that these are the two kind of basic mechanisms in the brain or the mind um and that um, the unknown, for example, can elicit both. It's like, oh, it's promising, but it's threatening. And oh, what do we do? But um, uh, so uh, um, we have these, all beings have these drive, this drive for um, self, um, uh, self-development, um, self-help. The self-help movement is much older than was previously realized. Uh, the dawn of time, self-help began. Um, but... Uh, and so that that can be done through avoidance of th things or approach to things. But these are, you know, our d direction, our, our um, drive is coming from largely deep down this desire to um, benefit ourselves. But then over time, what seems to happen as consciousness flows into reality more and more through more complex organisms, which it seemingly are like vessels which are able to contain more of the waters of consciousness, um, and uh, and then, you know, through language, where we're able to have books and conversations which can contain much more consciousness, we're able to perceive and start to notice, put the, the parts of the picture together, go, oh, I see a leg. What do you see? I see a trunk. What do you see? I see, uh, oh, you don't want to see. Uh, you don't want to know what I see. Um, it looks something like a filter. Okay, okay, all right, cool, cool. I think we've got an elephant, lads. Okay, right. You know, we can put the pieces together. And um, 
So through conversation, we can start, and um, through books, which are kind of conversations through time and space, um, we are able to, and movies, etc., and other versions of communication since then, um, expand our consciousness. And as that's happened, that's allowed us to improve our ability. Uh, it's allowed us to help ourselves more and can transform ourselves and the environment in ways that benefit us and also expand our imagination of what benefit can mean, like not just material benefit, but cultural benefits, spiritual benefits, um, health benefits, like conceiving of new ways to improve, new dimensions in, in which we can be better. Um, and so, uh, and very significantly, um, the expansion of consciousness and the consequent improvements in our um, ability to help ourselves and um, serve ourselves has expanded the definition of self and we've gone from being it's just me to being oh it's my tribe then to being oh it's our tribe but it's actually like 20 different smaller tribes of families and we all call ourselves the same tribe maybe we're descended from the same people or whatever um and others have married in or whatever uh, we're very successful so you know it's growing and then you know um cities nation states um empires or kingdoms and stuff you know and then, um, yeah, modern nations. And then even, you know, um, oh, Europe, a European identity or an African identity, you know, um, or this kind of thing, or uh, Latin Americans, you know. And so you could have people who feel like these supranational identities. And then even, you know, I'm a citizen of the world, you know. Oh, we're all brothers and sisters. Coming back to oneness, going, oh, my God, we're all children of Gaia, you know, we are literally all one. We're all connected and getting to that point of consciousness where it's gone from this journey from being one and going into the world through exploration through matter. Spirit has eventually become rarefied enough where it's able to understand that it is everywhere and see its, its own presence everywhere. And so self is expanded to the point where, and I think at that point there's no more evil because, well, I don't want to... Like even by the primal reptilian like um, instincts of self-preservation and self-aggrandizement or self-serving, um, you know, um, you go well. Wait a minute, I I don't want to. I I want to help myself. I want to be selfish, but I'm everyone. Oh, so selfishness and selflessness become one. The redemption, uh, uh, redemption or uh, reconciliation of opposites. Is that the phrase? Um, and so, uh, you know, realizing that, oh, I don't even need to try. At that point, you don't even need to try. At the point when you've got the real, so much power of consciousness to confront evil, um, you don't even need to do it anymore. If everyone's there, you, you know, well, I mean, that's kind of obvious, I guess. But, but that, you know, everyone understands, like, oh, we are all one. So, okay, yeah, great, <laughs> easy. It's, it's not like hard work to be loving it's like well that's actually the easiest thing to do and that's what i want to do anyway i want to be helping myself and you're myself okay great let's do it let's have fun um and share the world so the now so that's ev the evolution of you know self-preservation or whatever, and just um or just my thoughts on logically how it would seem to happen of um uh, humans and communities thereof um growing but then there's this other, the outsiders, who, you know, the unknown, who can be threatening or promising, um, you know, so there's wars, there's been wars forever, you know, but then 
um, you can, uh, yes, if we don't perceive others as ourself, then we still have those very um, primitive um, uh, instincts, which were evolutionarily adaptive at, in the previous world, which was a much very different world. So they're no longer necessary. They're no longer adaptive even. Like, look at World War Three. God forbid, you know, if we're so crazy to let that happen. That is an absolutely insane thing, like a proposition. Like, but it's a just goes to show that's like a symbol of the um the lack of awareness that, you know, does do we want to do this to ourselves? You know, um uh, you know, does does the Russian government want to attack itself? Does the Ukrainian government want to attack itself? Does um the World Economic Forum want to attack itself? Does the African Union want to attack itself? Does Whatever, you know, does a book club in Norfolk want to attack itself? No, you know, everyone's like, hey, why would I do that? You know, so it's all about, I think, the shortcut to confronting evil, whether it be intentional malice and, you know, enslavement and domination, or whether it be accidental evil of like, oh, we caused some war because we were trying to do a good thing. Um, I think the shortcut to the solution is expanding our sense of self. It's doing that first with yourself, <laughs> Of course, but yourself, self, like, um, you know, you as a, an individual human, um, starting to perceive even those who you disagree with, or people who are doing terrible things that harm you and others, um, to perceive them as yourself doing that. It's you in another life doing that. And I don't know if that's literally true, but I think it is literally true that there's like, Jamie is like, like you could say it two ways. You could say everyone is Jamie. You're like, all right, that's going a bit far, Jamie. Or everyone is you. I'm just you. I'm not, I'm, there's no Jamie. It's all you, whoever you are. Lewis, okay, great. Everyone is actually just versions of Lewis or Jane. It's all Jane or whatever. You know, that, you get the sense, playing around with these ideas, even if that's not literally true, that it seems to be basically on close to the, the mark, you know, um, that we're all consciousness, is uh, don't you feel how that brings us together and the, the sense of love and like, well, that's kind of cool. Oh, so everyone's not so much like weird and unpredictable and unknown and strange and kind of annoying and, you know, causing problems. It's like, oh, if like the whole world is just me, <laughs> like, you know, Vladimir Putin's just Jamie who looks like different. And then, you know, um, you know, like uh, the Macron is just Jamie with this beautiful French suit. And um, then like, oh, that puts a whole different spin on it. And like, it's much harder to cut people off from forgiveness and love because why would I do that to myself? So, um, and it's, go, it, then it becomes, okay, we're all one. So gotta, sh there must be, surely there must be a way where the 7 billion Jamies can stop fighting, <laughs> you know, whatever. Like it seems much more reasonable when you have that um, understanding, even if you're tricking yourself into it through some, you know, slide of hand of words or whatever, um, that, uh, oh, yeah, we're all one. And so okay, we, we can and we must find a way to just, you know, kind of anchor into that sense of oneness and self, expanded sense of self. And then selfishly, we will make world peace. Can you imagine world peace? How's world peace going to come? Uh, maybe through through justice? Could be, yeah. Through hard work? Maybe. Through honesty? Yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Through selfishness? 
get out of here. There's no point even investigating this proposition. A thousand years later, oh, I guess we could. There's only one thing left in this hat. It says selfishness. I guess we better investigate it. <laughs> oh, world peace if we're all the self. Um, so, yeah, so through evolution, selfishness, I think that's where evil comes from. It is um, a overly narrowly, a too narrowly confined, uh, uh, defined sense of self which causes injustice whereby an entity, whether be it a, a human being or a group of humans um, uh, or a group of lizard men, <laughs> um, uh, go, like, or AI who are secretly running Google, um, uh, uh, whereby they um, pursue their self-interest um, to such an extent that it um, absolutely cripples the ability of others to do that to themselves. And it's um, an utter imbalance which could only be justified by an appeal to a superior value of one group over the other, which conflicts with the fact that actually we're all equal. We're all consciousness. We're all beings, um, sentient beings. And so, yeah, I think evil would be where injustice um, results from a confusion as to who you are and that confusion can be fine. It doesn't necessarily result in evil, but um, uh, in, in that often where it's, there's an imbalance between power and love or power and um, consciousness. So you've got more power than you've got consciousness for, then you're going to try to extend into other people's groups, um, into their lives and take them over. Um, whereas even if you were selfish enough to do that, but you lacked the power, okay, you can't do it. Or if you're con very conscious and you have all that power, no problem. Like money, Lots of money and lots of power in the hands of a conscious, wise person. That's even better than a wise person with no resources. You know, so these things are tools. Like fire can burn your house down or cook your dinner. A gun can save a bunch of lives or take a bunch of lives. So um, it seems like yeah, evil. Is that seems to be that mismatch between power and consciousness or love. You know, um, so that's where it's not some mystery like and people say oh it doesn't even exist or oh i don't know if anyone's saying it doesn't exist but um it seems kind of old-fashioned to think about good and evil but evil I think yeah is this parasite or traitor or dominator which is really an archetype or um an epiphenomenon or you could say a, a god even in the sense of that you know like um you could consider phenomena that rule civilization kind of the expression of an archetype so you could kind of say it's like the, the war of the gods in heaven it's like the myth of that right like you've got honesty fighting with efficiency fighting with beauty fighting with um uh patience or whatever these different prints fighting with music different things which are vying for attention and space and sometimes conflicting sometimes cooperating um so we could say that evil um is kind of the expression of this, um, you know, and there's a, there's a place for it. If some crazy dominating aliens come, then maybe Earth needs to gear up and we'll have, you know, our world be united around love, but we'll have to go blast those aliens' heads off, you know. Hopefully they're sweetie pies and, you know, if they come, you know, and we don't have to do that. But um, so it can be. And, you know, when someone's trying to take too much, it is adaptive to push back even with violence. But I guess evil is where it's maladaptive. 
you're, you're, it's not reasonable in the circumstances. Um, and so I guess that's where sometimes there's a blurry line. People say this war is wrong. Other people say, no, it's self-defense, you know, and that can always be tricky. Um, so that's the, I guess the evolution of evil and why it's still here. We are still where the internet's brought a lot of us so much closer together into this sense of oneness and, um, global identity and just human identity and conscious um, cosmic identity as we are God or we are the infinite cosmos, the cosmos experiencing itself from the inside out. Um, and now what can evil do? What can evil do for you? Uh, I think that requires another sip of water. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunately I have to break the news to you. Some water is coming and it's going to be very loud. I'll make it as loud as possible. I mean, quiet. <clears throat> Oh, that sounds good. I mean, tastes good. So, um, or does it feel good? Do you taste water? Hmm. Let me know in the comments. So, um, I think. Look, a good um, a movie. So, why is evil? What can? What's the benefit of evil in the world? Right. So, it's not just a thing to be eradicated, um, but there's actually some utility to it. And so then what the question is, okay, if that's the case, then what should our correct response or disposition toward evil be, approach to evil be? Um, uh, so let's go into it. Um, so a movie or a book where everything is fine and everything's great and it all works out perfectly. Do you want to read that book or watch that movie? No, right? It's kind of, it's boring. What's the point? There must be some... You know, situation, challenge, resolution. In life, that's the, the structure. And in art, we experience simulations of life which allow us to deal with the challenges of our own lives better. And sometimes um, also just provide some, you know, entertainment and relaxation, take the edge off. But that is also helping us live our lives better, right? It's feeding back into that selfish drive to be happy and, you know, have a good experience and um, flourish, eudaimonia, human flourishing, um, well-being. Um, and so whether it be teaching us something explicitly, like, oh, there's a moral to the story and it, we can apply it to our own lives, um, whether it be, oh, this character did the right thing or they did the wrong thing, you know, and, okay, how does that relate to me? Hmm, maybe we can use that food for thought. Um, also, you know, like movies which make us laugh or, just, or may even make you cry, you know, so maybe someone who's, very serious or, you know, masculine, you know, um, you know, I think, uh, every man should cry sometimes, you know, you got to get in touch with your feminine nature to be a, a real man. I would say, um, you also need to be masculine. You need to be able to fight to defend your kingdom, um, to be a real man. But I think you, you need to, yeah, you need to be able to cry and go, it's a good thing, you know, ideally. Um, and so maybe just a movie that's very sad could just, it could just be that, you know, it causes this cathartic release of some real tough guy just gets a little sniffly and it's like, that's really, wow, it's a very sad story, you know. And that connection to emotion could be useful, you know. Um, either way, stories are so captivating and engaging, um, both because our life is perceived as a story. It is a story, a sequence of events in time and space. Um, the setting, you know, your lifetime on earth, uh, the cast or the characters, you and all these other schmucks. Um, 
who also happened to be you, um, surrounded by other schmucks. Uh, and the plot, okay, birth, life, death, uh, and I guess life is all of this, but um, we could say, you know, the life between <laughs> the birth and death, these punctuation marks, or um, beginning of one chapter and end of the chapter, um, uh, whatever life is up to. Um, so life kind of follows a narrative format, but also um, through the evolution of civilization, we've been using stories to supercharge our awareness, like that process of, um, it's not just having better quality food and diet and you know more better safety and better technology or whatever. A lot of the evolution of our consciousness has come from probably most of it has come from art and stories. Like at first, it was like you know uh, isolating them into what's happened. You know, a bunch of things have happened. You learn some lessons and you it's acted out in um, drama, and then maybe it's uh, that drama is encoded into um, like stories written written down. And then that is kind of extracted into maybe philosophy and like the way, you know, uh, you know these principles kind of more, getting more abstract. And then maybe that's, or maybe religion came somewhere in there too, you know, um, whatever. But we are learning through stories um, and they, you know, they've, they model adaptive and maladaptive behavior. And, the, and, um, and they also can express the nature of the world to some extent. But um, so what, what is and what ought to be. Um, and so, uh, stories—they need. We need conflict. We need problems in order for it to be a story that you know te te teaches you something or has some sort of benefit. You know, um, that's what the best stories have because they're the most relevant to life, where we face, you know, due to the nature of evolution, of uh, evolution and the world we live in, it's there's always challenges. You know, and um, so uh, stories need to have challenges. Now, this is where evil comes in, you know, um, whether it be evil in the sense of like, oh, there's a mold on my um, grapes or something. Um, and, you know, you could say that evil in a poetic sense, but it's just a problem. There's no one doing it. Although I would say ultimately that's on the same level as what's happening when some psychopath is doing something terrible. Is there a soul who's completely asleep at the wheel and kind of like a zombie, like a sleepwalking person doing terrible things? Um, but even though they seem like they're very much real and intentionally doing them. That entity that's doing it isn't real. It's just a string of thoughts. Um, the consciousness, which is the only real thing, is asleep at the wheel um, and just, you know, not aware of what's going on. Um, not responsible, not able to respond. Um, so, uh, but, so evil um, in the sense of like uh, using power... Um, and to uh, using one's power to um, tyrannize others, um, to overextend oneself into another's sphere of rightful influence, um, and with all the suffering and wasted opportunities that result, and you know um, all the problems, all the uh, less than desirable things that flow on from that. But tyrannizing others, right? Evil. Now that could come from thinking it's a good idea or it could come from thinking, oh, this is so enjoyable. I'm serving the dark god Moloch or whatever, you know. And um, uh, either way, you clearly think it's a good idea to be doing what you're doing. So we just put that both in the subset of you think you're improving your private universe. 
um, and you think you're serving your own best interests. Um, and so that is, I would say, based on an illusion, right? These people are not fully conscious, not fully sane, so they are to be forgiven on the deepest level and embraced as brothers and sisters to be loved, even while we take steps to prevent them dominating us, which is also extreme, you know, absolutely vital. Um, so we can have them simultaneously, and in fact, that is the most powerful response, um, is to have that understanding of... Because um, when, you, when, you, when you other someone, when you otherize them, even people who are causing crazy problems and are otherizing you or otherizing others, you know, right? When people who are doing that us against their mentality and causing a lot of problems, it, that's where it's tricky to remain aware that that is you um, in the sense of that you're the same tree of life. You're just different branches, but it's consciousness over there, consciousness here. Um, this one and that one um, are one and not two. <laughs> um, two on a less real level just like Leonardo DiCaprio and Jack are one but two. Um, so when we are engaging with these people, if we can remain rooted in the energy of love, then that is where um, a lot of um, benefit can come from both remaining, like if we, we can't create a world of love if we're feeling the energy of hatred, right? It's got to come through love. Um, what's that thing um, the Buddha said, I think? Um, Hatred cannot uh, undo hatred. Only love can do that, something like this. Um, which I think Martin Luther King Jr. referenced. Not sure. Anyway, um, so yeah, we can remain rooted in the energy of what we want. And uh, also, uh, you know, apart from that, that helps us know what we want. It also will cause a lot of those people to defect and go, hey, these people are having the real party. That looks what my, my real self-interest is. That looks like exactly what I want. Um, and so it um, undermines the us against them mentality is what's our, the enemy we're fighting. But if we say, yeah, the us against them, them guys, they're us too. What do you think that does to their mentality? It weakens it. Their sense of that we are other, it's hard. They're unconsciously thinking we're other. If we say, hey, we're you. We love you. That's like kryptonite to tyranny, you know? So that's the essence of... There's a place for violence, for, for um, self-defense, of course. I'm not a pacifist in the sense that, um, I mean, I'm, I'd, I'd be a pacifist if everyone's peaceful. But if someone's like, hey, I'm just going to uh, steal your baby, I'd be like, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> and, you know, I have no problem using force when you're trying to use force unreasonably. And I will love you while I'm doing it. So that's the thing. Um, you know, through evolution, we run up against walls and get confused. And eventually, something's not quite working here. Something's not quite right. And then we understand, oh, here, it wasn't either or. There is a, a both. There's a third element. And that's where it, it um, bifurcates into two paths. And it was just one thing. And you go, oh, these two things. Um, so there, or I guess, what, three things? Maybe it's like a little, like a uh, pine tree growing um, where both whoa and the both one leads to the new i guess they all lead to new growth anyway all right let's leave this metaphor behind but um uh that um you know where the tip of each um i said i'd leave it behind but the tip of each part of the the pine tree or whatever it turns into three new things and then each of those tips turns into three more like a fractal each like season i think um or each a year 
So, um, but uh, uh, the, the idea that like, oh, you can't, um, you either love them or you're fighting them. So if you're fighting them, you're not loving them. So that's bad. So like, no, you can have both. You know, it's like ah, oh, we can have both. Okay, right. So like, but you know, it takes historical experience to realize this. And so I think that's what is that's our task. The future is to love our enemies and and love um, the evil doers, those we perceive as doing evil. And that's the thing. It's who knows who's doing the evil thing. I think I have a, a fair understanding of what's evil and what's not. But I'm sure the same is that the people who I think are doing this would say the same thing. Um, and so just because perhaps they couldn't talk for a few hours about the nuances of evil, suggesting that maybe they're not thinking about it as much as I am, that doesn't, there's no real reason for me to fall into the trap of assuming that I know I'm right because that's very dangerous in others. So presumably it's dangerous in myself. And there's nothing to lose by keeping my mind open that um, I might be part participating in certain things which are actually causing problems and i will listen to people that's why it keeps you open to people who say you should change your ways i go okay tell me why let's talk about it and grow conscious together um now more conscious um but nonetheless so it's through love and communication and consciousness um however there is a place for um self-defense through violence um because when other people bring violence to bear upon you you know, and that's the thing, you know, don't be hypnotized, don't be confused. Um, many people who bring violence upon others, upon others, they like to try to confuse them first and make sure that they think it would be bad to resist that because violence is bad. Well, aren't you doing it in the first place? So why should I be listening to you? Um, but I, uh, And when tyrants, when evildoers of any kind, whether it be a bully in the playground or whether it be um, a corrupt police chief or the president of a country or whatever, when they know people who they are trying to dominate or betray or parasitically suck the life out of, when they know those people are willing to, um, to use violence and if they're willing to use violence for a while, probably they will become able, like competent, they'll probably, you know, well, I mean, they might train in self-defense, you know, if they're once they're willing to do it. Um, but even apart from that, just, you know, defending yourself in general, like, Hey, if you come to my home, I'm not just going to accept it or we're going to have mass demonstrations. So peaceful as much as possible, of course. But, um, when, uh, evildoers understand that the, their target is willing to use violence against them, they are less likely to attack it when they're like, Oh, it's not going to use violence against us. They're more likely to attack it. Right. Cause it's that set, that narrow view of self-interest. So, just for their own self-interest, they won't attack if they think it's too much. Ah, uh, look, maybe we'll attack it next year. Like right now, we've got too much on the table. They're going to resist this thing, whether that be the imposition of propaganda, attacking the mind, or whether it's a physical violence um, or trying to control people in some other way where you're restricting their sphere of influence unduly, unfairly, unreasonably, um, and excessively, whatever word you want to use to paint the picture. Um, so... I think the, the movement of peacemakers, people who want to make peace on earth, is we must um, put, lead with love, um, but, you know, make it very clear that uh, it's no honorable thing to say, well, I mean, if, if, uh, to say that, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, 
I would say from my point, I can understand why people, I'll be a little bit less extreme there. I'd say I can understand why people want to be pacifists and no fighting at all. But I would say that, you know, look, we, um, we owe it to everyone to, as much as, you're, as possible, to resist evil. Whether it's path to hell, pay the good intentions, or whether it's people who perceive us as other and so they think it's fine to just kind of, you know, dominate us because, you know, you're not part of us. It's fine. Just like I kill insects if I think, hey, I don't want you laying eggs in here or like I had um, some insects which like uh, kind of killed, basically messed up one of my uh, chili plants. I think, what, two years ago? Two of them. I was like, I let the flies in here and they just put some weird sticky stuff over them and it just screwed up all the chilies and the plant didn't get to offer its gifts to the world. So I had let those insects have too much space. And so then they came back the next year and I started killing them. So, sorry, I can't let you in here because I love my chilies and they belong here, you know. So you can go find somewhere else, you know. Um, so violence is not an ideal thing at all because we're all one. I don't want to kill other Jamies. I don't want to kill me, you know. I have no desire in conflict. However, um, uh, you know, um, it's it's if I was living on an island of Jamies, <laughs> I you know, and they're trying to tell me to do something, I'd be going connecting with love and say, hey, you know, like, um, or, or yes, or whatever, you know, whatever seemed reasonable. But I would always be willing to push back if some, if some other version of myself was trying to use force against me. That's very reasonable, right? Um, so I think that can be a tricky point for people where they get confused between. And look, you, you must, if you're going to have one or the other, I think love is more important. Um, actually, I don't know. What is more important? I think, uh, yes. Yeah, because it's easier to um, love is the, the more crucial root of everything. Because if you maintain your power, like say violence is one expression of power, um, you maintain your power, but you lose love. You, you become your enemy. You know, you become the tyrant. But if you maintain love but lose power, I guess at least you're putting out the, the seed. You still have the seed of what will bring back, the I don't know, bring a beneficial future. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. I don't know. Maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's neither or either one. Maybe it's you need both, you know, um, together. Um, so yeah. So and I guess there are two sides of the coin of like the peaceful warrior, you know. So um, yes. Now, so evil um, causes these challenges, um, and uh, we can face it. Um, we must face it with love and uh, oneness but also this awareness um that i think um resistance is reasonable and actually necessary you owe it to the world like it's not for, so to complete the thought from before from my point of view um it's the uh, it is more honorable to be a peaceful warrior than to be a, a pacifist that is actually the higher expression of love because you've integrated more information in the service of love and that and you're more powerfully going to be bringing the the blooming of love into the world so you know um it's the equivalent of locking up some guy that oh, i don't want to i don't want to be unloving to this guy but he's killing everyone oh yeah i guess we better lock him up and not take it personally and we can love him from afar but you've got to be in the cage you know um so i think the ability to use violence and it's not good if a, you know it's uh, men you know have been too violent at many times in places in history and still are in many times in many places um but uh yeah um if men and women too sure but you know 
traditionally men were more um, biologically geared for this sort of thing in general, um, then, uh, you know, but being too weak doesn't work. Because also, all you know, there's always going to be some predatory men somewhere. So if you're a good man, you need to be strong because if only, apart from that, it's, you know, it's good for your health, et cetera. Um, uh, also, what if you w- brush up against these people? Some monkey man who's kind of try to tyrannize people like that you care about or strangers. You you don't want to be able to have any deterrent ability to look them straight in the eye without any fear and go, hey, time to back up a little there. You're going too far, you know, my friend. All right, let's, you know, um, what's your name? You know, connect with love, but also strength. So that's, I think, the ideal. Um, so now, so that's like a bit about like confronting evil, right? And I think, you know, all it takes is for evil to flourish is for good people to do nothing or say nothing. Uh, indeed, right? And it's happened many times before. People think it can't happen again. I would say it is happening again. And, um, you know, we could talk about later, like what's going on in the world. But I think um, we're there's a lot of pressure increasing, I would say, increasing amounts of pressure on the earth. And um, But then this ties into the benefit of evil, which is we are being forced toward a climax. And, you know, if everything was jolly and grand, you know, oh, fine. We could just be hanging out, you know, like it was in the 90s or something. Just, oh, okay, cool, fun, life's good. Uh, hey, have you heard about this thing or this unhealthy problem or this thing? Certain things we need to work on and overcome. Like, yeah, um, i got to say it doesn't sound that interesting. sounds a bit like a, a bummer, to be honest. I'm not going to think about it. Okay, so that was a, a less adaptive, less wise response. And then, luckily, we, thankfully, we have evil intentional and accidental like self-perceiving as haha malice let's cause problems for these people um, who I, I i perceive as separate to me or well-intentioned whether you perceive them as separate to you or not you, you might think they are part of you and you're trying to do good they're my people i'm trying to do good like stalin maybe i don't know um or mao i don't know hitler potentially um whatever it is um uh that luckily uh, in, in a strange way evil is this pressure where it's just power at all costs um and it uh its expression wakes up love um whereby uh too much chaos and suffering is caused and that's kind of like the symptom suffering is the symptom of evil i guess um and uh it's like the alarm clock like what's going on oh 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 evil is afoot um Oh yeah, is evil still real? I'm afraid so. Hmm. Okay. So the Dark Lord Sauron is uh, hanging out on planet Earth, um, and legitimately, that energy which that story communicates—Voldemort, the Sith, Emperor Palpatine—why does that resonate with us? The terrifying thing, and it, if you really think about this, it is extreme. It is absolutely terrifying. Um, that level of real evil exists. It's not very far from you. In fact, it's uh, and it's on the earth, which is not very far in space, incarnate in certain people and institutions uh, or organizations, we could say. Um, you know, um, we everyone could disagree on who those people and institutions or organizations are. You know, but that that well-intentioned, but tyrannical or intentionally tyrannical um, energy exists, right? We can see that. 
and also it exists in you, in your own heart, in my heart, you know, because um, we have that potential for self-preservation and self-development, self-furtherance, which our ancestors gifted to us by, you know, and which brought us here and in certain times and places is necessary. But if you misperceive people and situations, you can misapply it, um, which is the tragedy of what evil people are doing is they, um, they are misperceiving the situation. And so their attempts at improvement are causing problems, are absolutely horrific problems. Um, but so evil will wake us up from our slumber. This seems to happen in cycles through civilization, throughout civilization or history, um, where um, we kind of wake up to the fact of like, oh, there are certain problems we weren't paying attention to. And it's kind of similar to like someone's working too much and not sleeping enough. And they just keep drinking coffee, drinking coffee, masking the symptoms. Um, and then they start to get sick. And they might go, oh, why am I sick? This sickness is a tyrant. This sickness is evil. But actually, the sickness was caused by you. And it is actually a friendly, it's a friend. It's helping you understand you're out of balance. And so it's, it's a teacher. So evil is a teacher in a way. Um, and it's not intentionally doing this, but I don't believe, <laughs> but, um, it's uh, a teacher nonetheless. And it, uh, is making us, forcing us to wonder, okay, what is going on? Why is it happening? Could people really do such harmful things? Well, we've been talking about for a while now, like this, in this episode, the reasons people do these things, um, the various mo potential motivations um, and how ultimately, you know, they're not, it's no one's ultimately um, corrupt in their, in their deepest level, but that these things nonetheless, and I think that can, that's what people can find hard to believe. They might think, no, that must be like some nonsense, you know, fantasy, paranoid delusion. That can't be a real thing happening. Um, or, um, or that problem must be exaggerated. That can't, people can't really be doing something that big. Um, because their their own goodness in their heart is telling them that people aren't capable of this, um, whereas you know they themselves are capable of it, and everyone is if they have the requisite frame of mind to tell them that it's in their self interest, um, and that it's in the self interest of their people, their group, um, which is the expanded self interest, to do it, you know, um, and so. Evil brings to the world the story of history. We have evil, and it's teaching us so much. It's not just waking us up to like what problems we have and what we need to fix, and what is the um, but you know so many things like what is the ideal frame of um, mind to live as a human being? I don't know. Do you? Well, luckily, the dance and the the war between good and evil, um, between love and unrest and um, love and uh, excessive power is it tyranny um uh this is uh this real-time story the best story ever told is history what's happening you know because all the stories are contained within it right so it's the meta story um it's teaching us and we're learning um and through this we're either going to perish or fall under you know some totalitarian nightmare um or we're going to be forced like someone who's going to the gym um, and they're trying to, the meet, trying to meet the challenge of lifting these things. If they can get through it, um, 
they will uh, be stronger. They'll be transformed. That energy of, of resistance becomes part of them and is integrated and they emerge uh, stronger and uh, healthier and more powerful and wise and just in general more um, developed. And so that is what evil can offer us. And I think by placing evil in the context, like reminding ourselves like um, evil does exist, like very, very deep levels of vindictiveness and viciousness um, and violence, these kind of reptilian ancient parts of our brain, they, they are being um, expressed and experienced by many people. Like right now, there's probably some savage somewhere cooking up some crazy plan and loving it. Um, and also potentially people, I think, can indulge in the power and the safety and um, the peace, in a way, of the energy of vindictiveness and destruction and evil. Um, because if you tell yourself you, have a, you are doing the right thing, right? You're hurting someone, but they deserve it. Or, you know, the world's you know, school shooters or something like, oh, the world's, you know, just um, unfair. Anyway, life's unfair, so I'm going to get it back, right? Once you've got a story which justifies your evil, then the feeling of being um, swept up in the current of that energy, you wouldn't call it like anxiety, would you? You wouldn't call it insecurity. Um, or maybe it is on a deep level. It is, I guess, cause it's coming from fear. But um, and um, well, if it's not if it's not love, you know, then basically it's grounded in fear. The um, uh, which was the the more primal animal instinct, which helps us dodge problems and. Um, fear was like more important than, um, you know, avoiding snakes is more important than finding mushrooms. You can find a mushroom later. You, you miss one mushroom, no worries. You miss one snake, you're gone. So fear was the dominant emotion, right, e through evolution. Um, but nonetheless, um, so when people are f allowing themselves to be swept up into what's in fact evil and this vindictiveness, you see this with social justice warriors or whatever being like, oh, you know, these people doing this, and you know. And it's not the energy of love. But I imagine, and I can relate to some extent um, in the past more, but still to some extent now, um, where occasionally I might get annoyed or angry or something. Um, and there's a feeling of power and um, being held by that, a strength. And naturally, we like being strong. We like being confident. We like being calm. And um, when you rally against something, it gives you these feelings. Um, potentially this is also partly the cause of collective conflict where like nations might feel like, oh, I have a lot of problems. Oh, hey, those people over there are a problem. Yeah, let's get them. And then, oh, we're unified. How beautiful is it to be unified? Shame we have to slaughter some innocent people to get that feeling. If only we could get it from, say, like love directly and philosophy and... Um, you know, meditation, plant medicines, um, education, um, peace, justice, and prosperity coming from a balanced society based upon honesty, um, love, and mutual respect, and sovereign individual sovereignty. So, um, so yes. So I think uh, evil is uh, present in the world and 
but it is in uh, you if if we were just to get rid of it, we I guess we would keep evolving, but we wouldn't keep evolve we wouldn't evolve as much as we we there is a level of evolution we can only reach via the presence of evil and through learning to confront it, not fleeing from it, but approaching evil and in the right way, not let, let's just destroy you, but look we're gonna if there's people doing things they shouldn't be doing. Let's put them in jail. Let's let's um, bankrupt them. Let's let's take away the power, while maintaining respect and affection and the awareness of oneness, of we are the same person essentially, um, with these other people and the institutions thereof. Um, so practically, we can take steps. That's a whole other issue. What those should be, but the f the most important thing is what is the energy going into these? More important then the how is the the why more important than the practical side is the the dream what what are we after what's our intention and so i think the intention should be love and the forgiveness of evil but first the awareness of evil and understanding that it does exist and opening your mind like am i sure these people are doing what they say they're doing someone says they want to help me okay that's one motivation humans have. There's another motivation humans have, and it's called evil, or it's called which they wouldn't probably call evil themselves. They would call helping, <laughs> helping themselves or helping their group. So, wising up to evil, I guess, is very important. Understanding the nature of what the situation is, which is a maturity, maturation, coming of age process that humanity seems to be in, um, and then. Um, overcoming just the kind of simplistic like dominate and us and them approach itself uh, with this evil and to have the point of view that come to the understanding of to you know not everyone needs to have the full-on understanding that like oh yeah we're all one and you know that's unlikely to happen at least in the near future but all we need history all the big movements in history have been um a, a tiny minority of people who are very dedicated and very clued on and have thought very deeply about it. Um, and so if we get 1% of the world to understand that what we're talking about here and or if, you know, certain, whatever percentage of what I've been saying is true, you know, I don't know, whatever of this attempt at exploring the subject is valid and reasonable and useful, whatever that percentage is and whatever I'm missing, that thing that we're aiming at, that ideal, that wisdom, that guiding wisdom, if we can get 1% of the, the world on board with this, if we can get 10%, that is going to cause an enormous shift in all the people who are affected by it. A lot of people are going to start looking, why are these people so peaceful? Like, why are these people so kind? Why are these people so, like, um, wise? Like, uh, they seem to have a very clear picture of things. And I say, oh, fuck these people, pardon my French. And then the response really surprised me. Hmm. They seem to agree with what we need to do, but it's like their energy was much, I don't know, something about it. Like, so if we, if we can get people to kind of connect to that, and, and I think luckily we're evolved from the survivors of the survivors of the survivors. So there is a, a the common sense. There is this spidey sense for truth utility, pragmat, um, pragmatic wisdom. And so even with all our n madness of everyone, you know, zombified with smartphones and stuff, walking around the street 
um, bumping into each other. Um, that's still there. We're descended from the people who have passed through every crisis that's ever been thrown up against humanity. So, um, well, maybe some lineages died off through particular crises. But back, we're descended from people who, if we go back, go through right back to the very beginning of time. You know, we're not. We're also descended from fish, um, or whatever. Um, but uh, so we can do it, and we just need to get a minority of the population on board with um, love, and then that's um, and then that will cause a uh, maybe another I don't know significant minority. Maybe ten percent are really clued on. One percent are fully clued on, or very very. 10% more or less. Um, another 20% are kind of vaguely in the ballpark of like, yeah, I think, you know, maybe on got the basic idea, but and there's certain things, maybe, I don't know, they still believe certain people are beyond redemption or so it's not fully there. That's going to be natural. There's spectrums and bell curves and everything, it seems, the way nature flows. Um, and then maybe another 20% who are like, look, um, I don't agree with what you guys are really saying, but... Um, I do think, I do kind of agree that, yeah, if, you know, blah, blah, blah. They might agree with certain prag very pragmatic stuff, which can help us de-escalate conflicts. Um, and so we can get a large amount of people to some extent on board with this different vibration based around um, not otherizing people and based upon the mission to, in a nutshell, make the people doing bad things, doing evil things, help them or the people who are working for them um, to understand that uh, in fact for selfish reasons you need to get into love that love is the, the if, uh, that's how a professional does selfishness through love because otherwise look, you're not you're just shooting yourself in the foot you know you might think you want these things but it's an addiction you know the real the real juice, the real honey is in love, you know? Um, so if we can, the, the mission is just to get a, a minority of the population of the world to kind of start, you know, you know, like this conversation, just continuing conversations like this, talking to people, trying to cultivate inside yourself and as much as you can in others around you, um, but mostly in yourself, this um, understanding and this experience and expression of the wisdom of love and oneness. Um, and seeing things in that context. And then that, um, then even if we don't need to get the majority of the population on board with that, there will be ripple effects which will destabilize the operations of people causing all these problems, including environmental problems, you know, raping nature and, you know, all these problems. Um, basically, um, all the serious significant imbalances whereby, um, which are all caused by human selfishness and, um, the uh, a na overly narrowed sense of self, um, we can really, you know, transcend this um, through waking up to who we truly are. So, I think in a nutshell, th those are my thoughts on the topic of evil. Um, so, yes. Um, also, I think um, ducks are evil. That's another thing I didn't mention. I think they're not part of the universal oneness. Ducks are just, you know, they they play they you know they play all cool and kind, but they quack quack you know. But I just have this feeling that they're like these demons from outside of the infinite universe. I know that sounds impossible, but just hear me out. In episode two, I'm going to go uh, of this 
part two of evil. We're going to talk, uh, investigate the uh, the evil pantheon of dark gods. You know, just kidding. Um, and uh, yeah, a bit of humor to balance out um, all the the seriousness. That's another kind of paradox. I think like addressing heavy things through a spirit of lightness is very powerful. Like making light of the darkness. Okay, so much love and um, a special thank you to all of my evil, quote-unquote evil brothers and sisters. Um, I have evil in my heart too. I'm not a perfect person. I do my best to understand who I truly am and what is truly in my interest, um, which is in fact we are all one and we all share the interest of... Uh, enjoying this life in harmony. So, have a good present moment. Much love.